0: starts now. Over 50% of the population experiences perimenopause and menopause. Yet, like with most women's health issues, there's not enough data and information, thus stumping clinicians and women alike. Enter Dr. Alicia Jackson. She is the founder of EverNow, which is a telehealth platform supporting women in this stage of life. EverNow conducted a survey of now over 70,000 women to better understand this stage and is using that data to more effectively help the staff at EverNow support the women coming through its doors. In this episode, we cover EverNow's findings from the survey as well as how women can apply this information into their own care. We begin with Dr. Alicia Jackson's story of how and why she started this company.
1: I have a deep science background from my life at MIT, investing in biotech through DARPA. I thought I'd be starting a fertility company right now. And I had taken six months off to do nothing but to study that space and really understand what the opportunities were. And it was during that period of time that I came across this really interesting piece of research talking about how do you reverse menopause? In young women who'd gone through chemotherapy. And I just remember hearing that phrase, reverse menopause and thinking, what in the world are these people talking about? Like, I thought this was a one-way street. Wait a second. What is menopause anyways? And it was, it just brought up all these questions. And I, I knew right then that there was something interesting there and just started digging and digging, understanding, okay, what is menopause? Um, talking to tons of women about their experience of menopause, talking to physicians, and, and really came away, blown away with the fact that menopause is much more than hot flashes. It really has a critical impact on women's health, not only while they're going through menopause, but really a critical impact on the rest of the years of their life after menopause. And it's not like we're talking about 10 years. We are actually talking about possibly the greater half of their life. This is the first generation who may live longer post-menopause than in menopause. And seeing how tightly correlated when you go through menopause and how that's managed, whether you're on hormonal therapies or not can make a big impact for your risk of things like cardiovascular disease, for osteoporosis, for neurodegenerative diseases, for diabetes, and the list just goes on and on. And I'm reading this research and thinking, oh my God, no one has ever, ever mentioned any of this to me. And wait a second, this isn't something that happens, you know, I'm thinking it happens in golden girls ages. Like I'm thinking it's in your 60s. And then I read, it starts happening in your forties. Women start going through perimenopause, that period of time when your estrogen starts fluctuating and decreasing in your forties. And then you to st- you, the average woman in the U S hits menopause at 51. And that's right in the smack in the middle of your life um, when you're going full steam. And so hearing, hearing these stories of women really suffering quite a bit Struggling to find help, struggling to find a physician who really is up to date on the latest science and research, who understands how to treat and recognize the symptoms of not only perimenopause and menopause, who understands the greater health impacts, not right, not just right then in the moment, but for the longer term. And then also talking to physicians and learning that they had had very little training in menopause and many who had had very little training since their residency, which might be 20 years ago. And our understanding of menopause and the role of estrogen in women's bodies and its role in protecting us against a lot of these diseases of aging, like osteoporosis, like neurodegenerative disease, like diabetes, that many doctors just had knowledge that was out of date. And compounded by the fact that a lot of the medical system is not situated around, <laughs> around being able to provide the care that's necessary during menopause. And all of these factors together, the huge health impacts, the fact that women were really struggling to find good help, the fact that doctors didn't, weren't equipped to be able to really treat and manage well menopause really led to, okay, There's clearly something that needs to be done here. I don't see anyone doing it. Women need access to treatments and great care. Let's go build a company to do that. And so I went from thinking I was going to build a fertility company to saying, we're going to go build a company. It's going to leverage telemedicine. We're going to create world-class menopause care and medical care and deliver it to women 40 plus. And that was the creation of EverNow.
0: I completely agree with everything you're saying. It's funny when... I had my own infertility struggles. I was extremely passionate about helping other women, so they didn't have to go through what I went through. But when I really did the research, I realized there were so many themes across all women's health topics. And a lot of it is we need to understand the root cause of why someone is struggling. And this could be through a phase of life, like the symptoms with perimenopause and menopause, which we're talking about today, or it can be infertility, chronic conditions. You really need to understand the why. And so EverNow did a study that was for over 70,000 women to better understand perimenopause and menopause. And on your website you share a lot about this data. And I know that we've started to talk a lot about the process and some of the challenges in our healthcare system with the research and lack thereof, you know, what how insurance companies are reimbursing and what doctors are trained on. And again, there's not a lot of data, so that makes it difficult. Uh, but talk to us about the research findings of EverNow and maybe some of the things that are more surprising to you of what women are dealing with before they even get into the healthcare system.
1: Oh, so, so many things. We are now up to nearly 70,000 women who've gone through our kind of health survey on their experience of perimenopause and menopause. So our, our data is quite rich and robust, and there's multiple things that we found that I think are just incredibly illuminating and, and helpful for women to understand. Which is, number one, when women are going through that period of perimenopause, their symptoms are going to differ from what they might experience when they're in the thick of the menopausal transition, when they're going through a year without a period. When they're in perimenopause, they still may be cycling. A lot of women are going to have an abnormal period though. And abnormal means it's weird. Is basically what we hear. They're shorter together. They're further apart. They're super heavy. Um, she so might be skipping periods. That's That's a really good signal. But number two, what we found is that we were seeing a lot of symptoms manifesting in the brain. And the reason for that is because... Estrogen is a key driver of energy metabolism in the brain. Our brain is full of receptors for estrogen. And so during perimenopause, when your estrogen levels are just fluctuating wildly, of course, you're going to see these big impacts in the brain. And so what we see are very high incidences of brain fog, anxiety, and depression. Seven, over 70% of women report having these symptoms And two thirds of those report these to be severe or very severe. And of course, this is such an incredibly busy time in women's life. They're taking care of their kids. They're taking care of their aging parents. They're in the middle of their career. There's a pandemic going on. And so, so many women are like, well, of course I'm stressed out. Of course I'm suddenly having panic attacks or I feel depressed because my life is so busy and so stressful dealing with all these things. But what they may not realize is that these are also the canonical symptoms of perimenopause, and that they can do something about them to help treat those symptoms. So I think, I think that was the number one thing that came out when we're looking at kind of this journey from perimenopause to menopause. Now the good news is is that those symptoms do tend to dampen down as you get into the menopausal transition. Now, other symptoms pop up like hot flashes and night sweats that you have to deal with but it is good that a lot of kind of the the ones that really have to deal with mood will start to level out over time. Um, The other good news is that we found that women who decided to take hormonal therapy who were having these symptoms found over a 72% reduction in those symptoms within two months. So hormonal therapy, if that is, if it is perimenopause that is really driving those symptoms, a little bit of hormonal therapy. And we're talking like a six to what you might have in birth control can really help to level those out. It's not going to get rid of the stress, but it's going to help in terms of how you can deal with that stress. Okay. The second major thing that I found that was just so interesting was a very strong correlation between women who had had hysterectomies and weight gain and What we found, and I can, I can dive pretty deep into this was that women who have had hysterectomy were 27% more likely to have a BMI over 30 compared to women who had not had a hysterectomy. And this is something that we had heard a lot anecdotally, but I think is really powerful when you see it borne out in the data. And when you go and look in the scientific literature as to why this might be happening, what we've definitely seen in, for example, animal studies, so looking at mice or looking at um, different forms of monkeys, is that if you take out their ovaries, which is one form of hysterectomy, you do see a huge decrease in energy metabolism nearly overnight. And so it shouldn't be shocking that when women have a hysterectomy, and over 25% of women, end up undergoing a hysterectomy. It is one of the most popular gynecological, or I should say common, not popular gynecological surgeries that are out there. And many women are not counseled about the health effects of essentially overnight dropping your estrogen levels. Those health effects that you can have include things like very rapid weight gain, And I think it's important for women to be counseled on this. And it doesn't mean they shouldn't have a hysterectomy, but they should probably be counseled that you should definitely be on a hormonal therapy immediately after a hysterectomy to really help to buffer out that very rapid transition that your body's about to go through. And we've had so many women come through ever now telling us they really felt in their words, bamboozled after they got a hysterectomy, they were told No, you'll have a hysterectomy. This will solve whatever gynecological issue you're having right now, but they weren't really told about the after effects. And it's more than just weight gain. It's also symptoms like brain fog, hot flashes, vaginal dryness, painful sex, inability to sleep. And it's all due to this very, very rapid, essentially deprivation of estrogen for your body overnight. Third really interesting finding that we had, and I think really deserves a lot more study and research is that we found that that women with higher BMIs tended to have worst, what we call vasomotor symptoms from menopause. And these are things like the hot flashes, like the night sweats, as well as things like anxiety. And this goes against conventional medical training and thinking. Uh, our fat cells produce a form of estrogen known as estrone. And so it was always assumed that women who were heavier, who had a higher BMI would have lesser menopausal symptoms because they also had their fat cells creating estrogens, not just their ovaries. But what we've actually found is quite the opposite, which is it does seem to be that your women who are heavier, who have Uh, more adipose tissue who have a higher BMI tend to have worse menopausal symptoms. And there's some deep science to be done here as to why that is, but it also might mean that women who are heavier need a different dosing of hormonal therapy or a different protocol of hormonal therapy if she chooses to take that to deal with her menopausal symptoms.
0: These are incredible findings, thank you. So I'd love to ask you questions on each of them. So let's take them one by one with respect to birth control. So this is something that I wanted to clarify um, because you had mentioned hormone therapy and it's not as much as birth control.
1: What it means is that the traditional doses that women take for hormonal therapy are tend to be about a, a half to a, anywhere from a half to a sixth of what you're going to find in a traditional birth control pill. Okay. What we've found is that that's really important to communicate to women because they think I don't think anyone thinks twice about being on birth control. Um, I do think women are becoming more aware of it and and understanding the choices that they have. But when we're talking about hormonal therapy, we're talking about a much lighter dose because we're not trying to for override essentially the estrogen in your body so that you don't become pregnant. All we're trying to do is kind of top you up a little bit on estrogen to help mellow out the the decline and fluctuations that you're having in estrogen during perimenopause and menopause.
0: Thank you for that, because there's been a lot of discussions with my guests and a lot of books that have been written about birth control. And, you know, they do have really interesting views on which ones are the most effective, what you should be using them for, and some of the different side effects. So for those who are interested, feel free to listen to my birth control series, which was published in uh, season two in the earlier uh, parts of the episodes. So now with hysterectomies and not being counseled on the after effects, well, that is tragic. Now, one of the questions that I do have for you is in your data, are you looking at the rationale for hysterectomy? And I'm not asking this question for women to look back and dread the fact that they got the hysterectomy. I am sure there was great rationale for it, and it was probably a really, really tough decision in many, many cases. But I do think it would be interesting to understand the why to see if there are things behind it that are preventable or common trends being seen in why
1: hysterectomies
0: are being done.
1: We have not to date collected that information. But I agree wholeheartedly with everything that you have said. Um, you know, we, we hear anecdotally the why, but I, I do think that would be something interesting to collect. We do know that there are geographic differences as to rates of hysterectomy, which are there, there are tend to be more hysterectomies done in the South than, for example, the Northeast. Wow. What about
0: ethnicity? Did you have we have not that?
1: collected we have not collected that data, but I again I think that'd be so interesting to see. I I think this really needs to be looked at holistically, because yeah, there are very good reasons for women to get hysterectomies. Absolutely, and it's all about risks and benefits, and an informed decision. And yes, if you've had a hysterectomy, there are great things you can do to still take care of your health.
0: Exactly. No. Absolutely. So with respect to the severity of menopause symptoms being impacted more if women have a higher BMI, I did want to discuss the you know data that you may have around other potential root causes. So in interviewing Dr. Lara Bryden, who's the author of Hormone Repair After 40, and she was on my podcast earlier this season, and Dr. Jerry Lynn Pryor, who's been studying women's health since the 1970s, she will um, have an episode go live later this season on FemPower Health. And wow, she's amazing, by the way, just as a side note. But one of the things that they talk a lot about is, besides the BMI that you mentioned, some of the other predictors for the severity of symptoms is your family history and the your health during your reproductive years. And one nuance that I want to call out, and I try to say this a lot because it's an important thing to reinforce, which is... In our reproductive years, we may or may not want to have children. But at the end of the day, and the data shows for this as well, we need to optimize our health. So it's not about just get healthy because you want to have a baby. It's get healthy because it's really important overall and so like if you have pcos you know you need to treat that etc so do you have data around some of these other predictors for what was going on in someone's reproductive years that may impact the severity outside of what you're finding with the bmi
1: i will say that there is great data showing that if yes if you have a family history of challenging menopausal symptoms you are much more likely to have those challenging menopausal symptoms we have looked at other things going on. Like, are you a smoker? Any amount of smoking results in higher levels of menopausal s- symptoms. So worse hot flashes, worse anxiety, all of those things. And so I, I, I think what you're alluding to is really interesting here, which is, are there factors that essentially age your body earlier and that may be why you're having a worse menopause, which is which is interesting. We do know that smoking essentially will put you into menopause about a year earlier than you might have otherwise gone into menopause
0: wow, this is really interesting data. And what I love is there's so many great conversations about perimenopause and menopause, like I've had them with Dr. Jen Salib-Huber, who does a lot of work with diet, and Dr. Lara Bryden, who I mentioned before, she's an naturopath. And so it's interesting talking to you because we're more focused on the process. And I want women to understand this because you know when you're going into the ER with a broken arm, it's very clear what needs to be done. But when we get into things like perimenopause and menopause, the how we deal with it is so important. So we started talking um, about a challenging healthcare system based on how physicians are educated and what we even understand about research, what women know, because you were surprised. I was surprised when I started researching this. And now we have all these issues women are facing. So now let's get into the solution. So I'd love to talk about however now is being structured. Because one of the things I've understood is even when we visit the OBGYN, when it comes to perimenopause and menopause, most say, don't bother doing the blood work because the hormones fluctuate so much. It's really about the symptoms. But one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, there's so many reasons why someone may have different symptoms. Is it as simple as you're in perimenopause and menopause, and if we fix XYZ, then you'll be fine? Or is it something else that's causing it? But if you're in perimenopause or menopause, you can also have that symptom. So if we can't do blood work, how do we understand why a woman is having a specific type of symptom and then the optimal way to treat it?
1: This is such a good question because we have so many women coming through ever now who have who have the exact same question, which is, "Don't you need to know my blood levels?" And I think intuitively, to all of us at first glance, that totally makes sense. Of course, you'd want to know your blood levels. The challenge is, is that everybody's set point for where they feel good on estrogen is different. So there's kind of like the normal range, but the normal range is really large. In fact during the normal course of your cycle, that normal range can vary nearly up to 10 times. So you could go from a one on estrogen to a 10 on estrogen all in the course of a month. And so what that means is that, yes, we can take a blood test and we can find out, are you in the normal range or do you have a ton of estrogen or do you have zero estrogen? The challenge is it's just not that helpful. To really understand how you're doing, how you're feeling, you would need to be tracking estrogen every single day. And at the same time, tracking how you're feeling and doing every single day. And unfortunately, yes. there's just not a really easy, simple way to do that right now that's accurate, that's right. accurate as well. Like, you really need to be doing a blood draw right now. And that's just expensive and infeasible. And to be honest, you know, you're a great barometer for how you're feeling and how much estrogen you have right now. If you have a lot of estrogen, you will know you will be bloated. You will not feel well. You will be crying and weeping. Um, I have been through fertility treatments and have been on this wild fertility ride and the roller coaster of having a lot of estrogen in your body and it is not confusing. And we can, of course, test you and see if you have zero estrogen in you, but most women still have some amount and it's often still considered the normal range, but you could easily be perimenopausal or menopausal, but you're still quotation marks in the normal range. And so will not be diagnosed. And so it really is about your age, your periods and your symptoms. And that is that is for most women not for all women, but for most women, that is enough to be able to make a clear diagnosis of where you are.
0: Consumer sector of women's health. Visit www.femtechconsumerinnovation.com to view the superstar speaker lineup and enter code FEMPOWER15 for 15% off your ticket. Hope to see you there. Now, I don't think any of us are trying to say track all the time which uh, and track forever, which brings me back to a guest that I had recently interviewed. I think she's getting her PhD, and she's an expert on women's hormones. And over one weekend, I think she said she had to monitor herself every 15 minutes, and I think she was peeing on the stick, she was getting her blood work, and then there are all these medical devices you can wear on different parts of your body to track basal body temperature. So I don't think any of us are saying that, but the theme does tend to be to track, at least for a period of time, to generally understand what's happening so that you can have an effective conversation with your doctor and try to figure out what's going on. But I will say this also reminds me, when I do get my hormones checked, I'm in perimenopause, And it's so frustrating because the blood work will come back and the report will say, okay, if you're in your luteal phase, the range should be this. If you're in your follicular phase, the range should be that. And I'm like, honestly, I'm not even 100% sure where I am, how close I am to getting my cycle, so I don't even know how to interpret this data at all. And so I just let the doctor say what they're going to say, but I really wish that
1: we could do something about that. Um, I completely agree. Yes. I've had the same experience. I'm like, I don't follicular luteal. I I don't know. Right. They're like, well, (laughs) test, make sure you test on like when the moon is full and you've had a cup of tea or whatever it is. And I just have no idea. And especially for women going through perimenopause, your cycles all over the place. Who knows where you are? Yes. I have had this test done and they're like, well, you're about normal.
0: No, I've been hearing the exact same things. Maybe we should call the lab and uh, have them adjust their reports to make it a little bit more specific for women in their different phases of life. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, so when it comes to treating women, tell us now about the dynamics of how EverNow works just to set the stage for how you're able to gather this information and the process that you're putting in place to support women because it is telehealth. And so we set the stage that lab work only does so much. So tell us about the process. I sign on to the website, and now what happens?
1: So when we set out to build Effernow Now now and, and you know, what we could offer women, we really set out to rethink how we could deliver care in a way that really solved women's needs. So number one, access. Number two, and, and by access, we mean you can talk to a great medical provider anytime, no matter where you're located. Number two, the world-class medical service and knowledge. The standard I use is, do I feel comfortable sending my own mother here? Like I, I want us to be the best in the world, the best care you can ever have. And then number three, really bringing, really creating a service that was continual. So it wasn't just one visit at one moment of time, but we'd really be on that journey with you. And the great thing about telemedicine is that it hits all of those points. So what we have is we have a core group of OB-GYNs, many of whom are NAM certified, North American menopause society certified who've been practicing in menopause for many years, many of whom are reproductive endocrinologists. So they have a really deep knowledge of hormones and hormonal therapies. And then we also have a phenomenal group with them of nurse practitioners who are highly skilled and trained and are really partners in health with our members. Number two, we love telemedicine because it means we can have this highly trained group of Doctors and nurse practitioners that you can get a hold of anytime, no matter where you are. And then, number three, because it's telemedicine, you can text us whenever you're having an issue in the middle of the night, a week from now. Hey, why aren't I feeling better? Or hey, I had this weird side effect. Um, and we can immediately get back to you and you know, have that touch point with you. And talk to you through about, yes, this is normal, or, Hey, why don't you try this? Or let's adjust your dosage. And so what happens for the service is that women will hear about us from a friend, or they'll see an ad on Instagram or Facebook. They come to the website and then we take them through a comprehensive health intake. And the point of this intake is to understand, okay, what are your symptoms and goals? What do you care about? And what is bothering you the most? People might have hot flashes, but it might be the weight, weight changes or the sleeplessness that is bothering her the most. And that's important for us to know. We also collect a bunch of biographic data. So what is your height? What is your weight? What is your age? When was your last period? What medications are you on? Have you had any recent surgeries? It's, it's very comprehensive. And that helps us to understand, one, are you a great candidate for now? Not all women are going to be a great candidate. You may have other things going on in your health where we think you should go see an in-person provider. And we provide you a list of other providers that you can go see in your area. And number three, it helps us to understand what's the treatment plan that's going to work best for you. So a woman goes through this comprehensive intake. It's very rigorous. It was developed by our OB-GYNs with a lot of input from all the medical societies to make sure we're really following best practices. And it's actually more strict than a lot of other intakes because it is telemedicine and we wanna make sure we're really capturing the women who are best for this sort of service. And at the end of that intake, we then give you a recommendation, Hey, we think ever now is right for you, or Hey, we don't think ever now is right for you. And if we do think we're right for you, we immediately give you a treatment recommendation. We think you're going to do well on this, for example, a transdermal estradiol patch. And if you have not had a hysterectomy, we'll often recommend a progesterone pill as well to take, to protect your endometrium. At that point, you sign up for the service. We connect you with one of our medical providers and we ask any follow-up questions that we might have for you. It's a time for our member to ask any questions of the medical practitioner. And then at that point in time, we send a script to one of our pharmacies and the treatment is shipped to your home. And then we check in with you every few days, especially after you start the treatment. Here's what you can expect not feeling better. Okay, let's see what we can do about that or having this side effect. Okay, maybe try taking your progesterone at night with a heavy meal. Um, some women can feel a little nauseous by it. Um, or you're a couple of weeks in and we talk about doing a dose adjustment. And so we really try to work with women along this pathway, especially because if it's been, let's say a year since you've been in menopause and suddenly you start taking a hormonal therapy again, you're definitely going to have some side effects as you ramp up on that hormonal therapy. And so that's essentially the service.
0: When I researched your website, it seems as though it's prescription forward, not so much around supplements. So is that true? And then we can take it from there.
1: Yes, it is true. That is our starting place. And it's that way for two reasons. Number one is we saw a real need around hormonal therapies in physicians who knew how to prescribe them. They are the gold standard. It is amazing how well they work uh, and it makes sense. You're losing estrogen. And so if we replace the estrogen, your symptoms are going to go away. They eliminate symptoms scientifically proven the data data's you know, rock solid scientifically proven to remove and eliminate symptoms in and 80% of women and decreased symptoms in the remaining 20% of women. That's that's phenomenal for any sort of therapy that's out there. And so we just said: look, there's a clear need in physicians who understand how to prescribe hormonal therapies and the best hormonal therapies. Not all hormonal therapy is created equal. There is very strong data showing that, for example, transdermal estradiol, that is a bioidentical estrogen delivered through the skin is incredibly safe, incredibly effective, much more so than taking it in oral form. And so we wanted to be at the forefront of offering the best hormonal therapies and the prescription therapies that are proven and best to work. That doesn't mean I don't want to move into other areas. In fact, we do critically, we want to, but part of our promise To women, is that we are only going to offer the things that are scientifically backed by the best medical research. And unfortunately, we're not quite there yet with a lot of supplements. That is something I personally want to change because not all women can take hormonal therapies. Not all women want to take hormonal therapies. I completely respect that. But what I want to be able to offer women is okay, if you can't or do not want to take a hormonal therapy, what can we offer you that will be effective for you? And I think there's some really interesting things out there like soy isoflavones. I think there's great some great data on black cohosh, but we really need to get much more solid evidence on it because I want to make sure whatever we're prescribing for you is going to work.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense, and this is the frustration with women's health, and it's why I bring on different types of experts, like functional medicine experts and MDs, because they do vary in perspective on how they treat various conditions and symptoms. So whenever now is doing the intake form, do you try to gather information about the type of treatment women want, whether they want supplements or they're okay with being prescription forward? So I'm curious how that works.
1: Part of it is that we do find women kind of self-select. I think we're very clear on our website that we're very prescription forward. So I think obviously a woman who says, I just want to deal with supplements right now. Sure. um, I I think she would just opt out. Um, Although we do have a lot of women who've tried supplements, they might've worked for a little bit and then stopped working who do end up coming to us. Um, we also ask a question at the end of our intake about preferences. Okay. Do you have a preference for what you've taken? What have you tried? What dosage? That sort of thing. So we do try to, a lot of our goal is really meeting a woman where she is and meeting her needs and goals, not being, not being paternalistic.
0: So now let's talk about access. What I like with telehealth is regardless of where you live, this allows access to the best of the best, but then there's the other access which is being able to cover the costs of this care. And I've noticed that different companies have different types of fees. Some charge by the visit, and then others have more of a membership structure. And then I've seen that a lot of these companies over time are having success with partnering with insurance companies to have better coverage. So where is EverNow in that journey and what do you see doing in the future?
1: We do have a monthly membership model, so you 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 pay a set price every month. We are cash pay right now, but we can also be covered by HSA or your FSA, which many women opt to. And we will also help women submit to their insurer if they want to try to get that covered. The challenge in this space is that unfortunately many insurers, many payers, do not cover the cost of many of the menopause prescription treatments. And it's very frustrating. And for so many women, you know, even these very tried and true solutions that can have such a big impact on a woman's health may only be 50% covered by their insurance company. And so given that, what we decided was for now we would be cash pay because the overhead, unfortunately, of integrating with an insurer, having to make deals with each insurance company would not only result in a huge amount of complexity for, for, for our company right now. But number two would result in actually hamstringing what we could offer women, because it turns out, unless your insurer is covering one thing or another, we can't offer it to you. And that's very frustrating. And so what we've really tried to focus on is working with pharma manufacturers working with our own technology platform to try to drive down those costs as much as possible on our end to make it affordable for women. And this is something we are laser focused on and continue to be focused on.
0: So we've walked through the challenges and helping women understand why when they go to their OBGYN, it may seem hard to get help. And we've talked about the data of what women are going through, and we've talked about the solutions and specifically what EverNow is trying to do to transform the experience that women have with perimenopause and menopause. Is there anything that I don't know that I don't know that I should have asked about what you might want to share?
1: Oh, wow. That's such a good question. You know, I think I think this all just plays into the larger story around so much around women's health has been understudied, misunderstood, and is so ripe for finding a lot of interesting insights and impactful insights on women's health. Yep. And I think that's the thing I'm just most excited about is being able to use our platform is a way to collect this great data on women's health and understand how different treatments and protocols can impact women's health and use that to drive medicine for women forward. That's what I'm lit up about. And I think telemedicine is gonna play an increasing role here in terms of moving our medical knowledge forward in a much faster way than we've ever been able to do so. And so that's, that's kind of my dream. That's, that's the big thing right now, which is let's just accelerate as much as we can understand about women's health and how to increase our longevity because women are so incredibly healthy throughout their lives. And then menopause hits. And it's very clear menopause is a trigger for a lot of these diseases of aging. And if we can understand how to manage that period of time, the, the outcomes for women and their lives and their health are just enormous. And I think we can do that very rapidly. So that's, that's the thing that I'm just really excited about right now. Wow, that's a perfect way
0: to end this discussion. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm grateful for the data that EverNow has been able to collect because we do need lots of data when it comes to women's health. And I look forward to following where EverNow evolves into the future
1: thank you, georgie. this is This has been a fantastic conversation.
0: please show them how to subscribe and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. See you next week. of social media algorithms. Love today's insights? Show your support by rating and reviewing our podcast. Your feedback is more than just a pat on our backs here at Fenpower Health. It lights the way for others seeking guidance and community in their health journey, amplifying the voices that need to be heard. And for a deeper dive into today's topics, check out the show notes and explore our website at fempower-health.com. Our site is a treasure trove of knowledge neatly categorized by topics of interest and life stages, ensuring you find exactly what you need to empower your health journey. And your voice matters to us deeply. Whether you have a question, a story to share, or feedback on our episodes, reach out directly at info at fempower-health.com. Drop us a message on social media or hit reply on any newsletter. Your insights inspire our conversations. And a quick note, the knowledge we share is here to embolden you in discussions with your healthcare provider. It's not medical advice. Always consult with your doctor for health decisions and remember the diverse perspectives of our guests reflect their individual journeys and it's not an endorsement by FemPower Health. Here's to empowering your health journey one episode at a time and I'll see you on the next FemPower Health podcast episode.